Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga and the creator of the Momentum Magic Method, the way to become a confident yoga teacher who seamlessly shares cues and easily creates sequences, whose classes are transformational, not just transactions, who understands anatomy and who shares their passion in a unique and authentic way. Here on the podcast, you'll hear anatomy lessons, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal growth because having a strong, healthy mindset is such an important piece of being a confident teacher. In addition to the podcast, follow me on Instagram and TikTok for daily videos on teaching topics. And I've got two more ways you can build your confidence and skill. Join me weekly for my mini masterclass and teaching clinic, a 30-minute teacher-only themed yoga class, followed by a teaching lesson. Just DM me the words masterclass invite. And I'm also excited to tell you about my new invitation-only group called The Empowerment Club, an exclusive community for yoga teachers who want to feel confident and make a bigger impact. Membership is free and includes weekly workshops, private audio lessons, private Facebook group, and special offers on programs. DM me the words Empowerment Club for your application. Thanks for taking the time to listen today. Hi there. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 279. I am recording this on January 25th, 2024, and this goes live January 29th, 2024. And um, it's always kind of interesting to me when I listen to podcasts, other people's podcasts, obviously, uh, they never say what date they're recording this. And sometimes something will come up in conversation, either about politics or things in the news, and you'll realize wow, this episode was recorded like months ago. And um, I don't do that. I record my show typically on a Thursday or a Friday, and then I post it on Monday. My, my wonderful podcast producer, Jackson, posts it. And so you're getting hot off the press, not batched, not pre-recorded like a long time ago stuff. You're getting current information. And I just want to point that out because that's, I'm not necessarily saying there's a qualitative difference there for you, the listener, but um, I just want to let you know that. And, and also, I think it's important when you listen, when you take the time to listen to a podcast that you know when the information was recorded, because I can certainly say for myself, I have evolved. I mean, my thinking has evolved. My strategies for training teachers has evolved. And um, it's just, I think, part of what you as the listener deserve. You deserve to know the the timing of the content, because I think that can really make a difference when it comes to how relevant it is. Uh, okay. So what I wanted to start out with is <clears throat> over the past 24 hours, I have been blown away by the number of people who responded to a freebie that I sent out to my VIP list. If you're not on my VIP mailing list, just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com and download the sequence building template on the homepage. You can also do it on Instagram by clicking the link in my bio for the sequence template and download it there. This will put you on the VIP list. 
So number one, that shows me that you're an action taker. Number two, it gives you access to a whole bunch of free content that I only share with my list. I don't put it on social. So this is a really good way if you're motivated to be a better teacher, to connect yourself um, to a to me. I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm not gonna pull any punches to me and I'm all about helping you be a better teacher. So anyway, last night, um, kind of late, I usually send out an email in the morning, but I sent, um, I sent it out a little bit later in the afternoon and I offered up a PDF that is about five anatomical themes you can bring into your classes, including the reason for each one. And that's what really makes the difference because if you don't understand the rationale, you can't confidently share it. And um, I got so many responses. I think at this point, it's almost 150 yoga teachers responded for that PDF. And so in that sending of it, I included a link to the Empowerment Club, which you may have heard me talk about before. It's my new group I started at the beginning of this year. It's in part a Facebook group. It's in part weekly workshops, and it's called the Empowerment Club. And I included the link to the Empowerment Club in the send out of this anatomy-based guide. And I got a whole bunch of responses from teachers who want to be part of that. So I want to make sure you know that this is a new place, a new space you can go to on Facebook that is very different from all the other Facebook groups you're in. And um, I'm not going to take up your time right now and tell you why it's different. I want you to go in that group and experience it, and then you can decide for yourself. I'm not not in the mood to try to convince anybody ever. <clears throat> um so if you want to be in the Empowerment Club, you have to send me a DM on Instagram because I don't have the link posted anywhere intentionally. I really want to cultivate this group and to curate this group to just be for yoga teachers who are motivated, who want to be better teachers, who are action takers. This is like a niche group. So I'm not just putting it out there as, hey, anybody can join this. And in fact, you have to uh, answer three admission questions to get in. They're not hard questions, but again, they they allow me to find out about you and to find out what you're looking for so I can make you being in the group worth your time. I don't want to waste anybody's time. I don't want to waste my time and I don't want to waste yours. So if you want to be part of the Empowerment Club, you've just got to send me a DM on Instagram and I'll send you the link. Uh, okay, the next thing. Um, also, when you go to my Instagram, you're going to see in the profile the link to um, the secret to yoga comp, the secret to confidence video. And I want to just tell you a quick story. One of the teachers who applied to be in the empowerment club yesterday, she shared her story and it was just so, it just, it just really hit me in my heart because what she basically was saying was, I definitely don't feel empowered. I definitely don't feel confident. And I know that I've been searching for it by going after hours of training. I've taken my 200 hour teacher training two times. Now I'm halfway through a 300 hour and I still don't feel like I'm getting any more confident. And this is exactly what I hear over and over again, not just from teachers who end up enrolling in my program, but just when I have conversations with teachers in general, the system is upside down, my friend. The system is telling you that the way to get confident is to invest money and time in hours-based trainings. And once you're past that required 200 hour, the rest is really up to you 
to do. You don't have to take a 300. You don't have to take a 500. And in fact, spending your time and money on hours-based trainings might not help you feel more confident. And I'm hearing this all the time from teachers, this one included. So I took a look at all the teachers I worked with in my program last year, and I came up with an analysis of what made them different, what caused them to be more successful in the program and feeling more confident at the end. And it had nothing to do with ours. And if you want to find out what it had to do with, you got to go to my Instagram profile, click the link for the video. It'll take you 10 minutes, just 10 minutes to find out what the secret to confidence is. So that's how you can get that. Um, the other thing I want to let you know is my next anatomy I'm sorry, my next uh, mini masterclass and teaching clinic is on the 31st of January at noon. Depending on when you listen to this, who knows if you can make it, but I do these things weekly. So my friend, this is another reason to be on my mailing list. You will get alerted as to these weekly workshops with, with notice so that you can get the link and be there. So that's that. And, uh, and now we can kind of go into the episode. So I wanted to start out by sharing what I'm calling silver bullet stories or light bulb moment stories, where yoga teachers that I work with in my program have just these light bulb moments where they realize something that they didn't know before. And it's so impactful to them in that it helps them really feel more confident and more empowered. And so uh, I want to give a shout out to Jackie, if Jackie ends up listening to this. She enrolled in my program December 1st, and she had a very interesting opportunity to teach in a women's prison. And this was something that was really important to her because she has a very unique way of sequencing. And I absolutely love that as a newer teacher, she's 100% diving into her own methodology of teaching and she's not questioning it. She's diving in a hundred percent. And this is something that I highly encourage you to do as well. When you stop listening to those voices that tell you you're not ready, you're not more, you're not experienced enough. You're not good enough. And instead you start fueling the voice that says, fuck yes, I can totally teach however I want. I don't need anybody's permission. You are going to expedite. You are going to speed up your path to being a more confident, empowered teacher. And that's exactly what Jackie is doing. So Jackie has this very unique way of pulling together her sequencing. And she feels this passion for going in to this correctional facility and working with these women and sharing this very accessible way of presenting yoga. And because she's teaching in a correctional facility, a, a prison, she is restricted as to what she can bring. She is not allowed to use music. She is not allowed to bring notes. She is not allowed to bring computers, iPads, any of that stuff. And I want you to think about, could you go in as a new teacher without any of those things? And the answer is probably no, because the way yoga teachers are trained, not the way I train teachers, but the way yoga teachers are trained is they end up needing all this extra stuff. They need music to fill the air. They need music to fill the space energetically. They need their notes because that's how they know what they're going to say. They need their notes because that's how they know what comes next in the sequence, even though they're practicing with their class anyway. They need this. They need this. They need this. Even though they don't want any of these things, they need them. And so what Jackie realized straight away was that 
she wasn't going to be able to use any of these things. She was going to have to go in and show herself as a teacher without notes. And so right out of the gate, she had this light bulb moment of, oh my God, I can do this. I can teach without notes. And one of the things I'm going to do is really lean into my way of sequencing, my sequencing style, how I want to present a yoga sequence. And I'm going to pretty much stick to this from class to class rather than buying into that tired old narrative that's out there in the industry saying, you need to change your sequence all the time. Otherwise your students will get bored. Bullshit. That is not true. That is one of those things that gets said so many times and passed on like the telephone game that people think it's true, but it's not true. And so she said to me on our last, our last momentum call, which is what I call the coaching calls when you're in my program, she said, oh my God, Karen, I, I can't believe that I'm teaching without notes. Like I didn't think this was possible. And, you know, she kind of had the, the challenging way to, to get there because she couldn't use notes from the beginning. What she's demonstrated though, is her willingness to do it her willingness to do it without notes, even though there's that little voice inside her saying, are you sure you can do this? And she's saying yes, because that other part of her is louder. So I want to just give a huge shout out to Jackie for, um, for being just so bold and so courageous and so acting so empowered in this way. And the way she described her last class and when she was watching the students in legs up the wall pose and she just felt such peace and she just felt like she was 100% exactly in her dharma. Like that is why we teach yoga. That is why you teach yoga, I bet. Because you love that feeling of when they're in Shavasana and you're looking out at the class, you love that feeling of knowing that you're doing exactly what you were born to do. And if you don't have that feeling and instead at the end of class, you're panicked and you're judging yourself and your inner critic is raging, we need to talk. I'm, I'm just going to be straight with you because the longer that voice goes unchecked, the longer that voice will become so loud, it will squelch out. It will silence the part of you that wants to feel like you're in your dharma. So it's up to you. Just reach out to me on Instagram, send me a DM, mention this episode, mention this bit of the conversation and that you really want to find out how you can fix that problem. Because it is a problem, right? I'm not going to bullshit you. It is a problem. <laughs> no one wants to get to Shavasana in class and feel like, oh my God, now I got to go home and have two hours of reiterating in my head how the class went and, and feeling like I didn't do a good job. Who wants that? Nobody wants to teach yoga to have that feeling at the end of class. And so I can definitely help you. Uh, it's really just up to you to take that first step and reach out to me. Okay, so today what I wanna do is I'm going to share with you some fundamental themes that are grounded in anatomy, no pun intended. And these are themes that come from my book, Structure and Spirit. And you can get this book on my website. Uh, you can get it on Amazon. It's called Structure and Spirit moving smarter, both on and off the map. But if you just type in, just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com and the books page will, will have it. 
And so these are fundamental anatomical themes. And, you know, part of the reason that I wanted to focus on this in today's episode is because obviously you're looking for anatomy information. I mean, if you are similar to, you know, over 150 teachers who responded last night, yes, give me this download on anatomy themes, then you want anatomy information. Now, this is again, no surprise to me, but I'm just sort of, it just was a bit of a jolt to me, like, holy cow, people really want me to talk about anatomy. This is this is pretty obvious. And guess what? It's my expertise. So I love talking about it. I've devoted more than half my life to the study of anatomy. So, hey, I got no problem talking about it. And I think one of the things I want to share with you is there's a difference between learning anatomy and applying anatomy. I actually have a number of conversations with teachers who are nurses, who are physical therapists, um, who are massage therapists, who are EMTs. And so they understand anatomy, but they don't understand how to apply what they know to yoga. There are two pieces, my friend. There are two pieces. If you learn it, but you don't learn how to apply it, it's not useful to you. Yes, you can go to a cocktail party and point out the femur and talk about the psoas, but you can't then know how to share it, or you don't know maybe <clears throat> how to share it with your students in understandable ways so that they <clears throat> so that they understand it. <clears throat> so knowledge without application is not useful to you as a yoga teacher. And this is again one of the problems with hours-based trainings. There's a lot of building knowledge, not a lot of applying it. And it's not all trainings. Please hear me. I am not saying all trainings are bad. Things are not binary. Things have nuance. Um, so please, I wanna make that caveat. I have a lot of colleagues. I have a lot of people I very much respect in our industry who offer hours-based trainings and tremendous props to them, tremendous respect to them. I am not here to speak to that. I am here for you. I am here to understand what do you need so that you can be a better teacher as defined by you, right? And that's why my program is 100% custom to you. Yeah, there's a link. Yeah, you can read about it on my website, but that's just what I write because people are always focused on what am I gonna get? Tell me about your program. But I'm one of the only yoga teachers who's out there teaching you one-on-one, -on -one, which means we get to focus on the problems you have, the results you want. And that's one of the main things that makes me different when I work with you. So the anatomy things I'm going to share today coming from my book, Structure and Spirit. So let's get to the first one. So the first one is uh, sort of an alignment theme, and it goes like this. Wider is steadier while narrower is not. Wider is steadier while narrower is not. So, you know, you, you talk about things like feet at hip width, and that's probably a cue that you're very familiar with. And feet at hip width comes from anatomical position where the feet are at hip width, not together like in mountain pose. And that's because the hip, the knee, and the ankle are aligned when the feet are at hip width. So, you know, this idea of wider is steadier while narrower is not speaks to that wider base aligns those joints 
so the student will feel more stability. So I say here in the book, let's look at warrior one. Warrior one is typically taught with a fairly narrow base. The heel of the front foot is in line with the heel of the back foot, or as an alternative in line with the arch of the back foot. But this is a narrow base, meaning the feet are fairly close together on the same line as if you were trying to balance on a tightrope. The impact of this narrow foundation is the same as when you stand with your feet together. It's very restrictive, fairly challenging, and requires a good amount of steadiness to maintain. There's not a lot of wiggle room. And because the base is so narrow, if there are errors in the alignment of the pose, other related problems can arise. So this is one of the reasons why it's so helpful to have in your tool belt telling people to widen their base in these narrow shaped poses like warrior one, like chair pose. In other postures, it won't work as well. Things like warrior two and triangle, they sort of need the narrower base from an alignment perspective. But crescent lunge, for instance, you can certainly do with a wider base. And that's typically taught like that because of um, the back heel being up and it's a little bit of a balancing pose. So that's... Uh, Concept number one. Uh, I just want to take a quick look here. Yeah. So wider is steadier while narrower is not. It's always interesting when you look back. I'm looking back at the words that I wrote. I mean, I've written these two books and it's kind of funny when you look back at your own words printed in a book. <laughs> okay. So the next concept I want to share with you is, <clears throat> hang on one second. I'm just turning the page here. Sorry. Create foundation before you create rotation. I love the way some of these rhyme. Create foundation before you create rotation. So I want you to imagine you get to the end of class and you're teaching students um, spinal twist and they draw the right knee into the chest and they roll to the left side and they're, let's see, draw the right knee and they roll to the left side and their left, I'm sorry, let me get this the other way. So they hug the right knee in with the left hand. They draw that right knee over to the left and their right arm is out to the side. But as they twist to the left, their right arm starts to lift off the ground. <clears throat> so now they're literally rolling to their left side. So this is a perfect example of a student who has not created foundation before going into the twist. And that's why you as a teacher need to cue that that arm that's opened out to the side, the scapula needs to stay on the ground, the arm needs to stay on the ground, because the hip needs to stay on the ground, because it's with that foundation that you will be able to create rotation. Without the foundation, things will just start to all roll. And then you're not getting the rotation, you're just rolling. And rolling is different from the rotational movement that we wanna get in the spine. <clears throat> so another example of this is, if you can imagine your students in crescent lunge. So imagine from downward dog, step the right foot forward um, and, and uh, I'm sorry, step the right foot forward, place a block on the inside of the right foot, set your left hand on that block, and then begin to twist to the right. 
So notice that I just integrated the use of the block in the cueing of the posture. And that's because the block is going to give the students more foundation at the ground that allows them to then begin to create rotation through the spine. So as they're doing that rotation muscularly, they're using the rotatoras in the rotatories in the spine. These, these muscles that knit the vertebrae are very close to the vertebrae and create that rotation. They're using the inner and outer obliques. They're using a little bit of the quadratus lumborum. So these are rotational muscles, even a little bit of the serratus rotational muscles that create that rotation. But again, it cannot happen if the student's not grounded at the foundation. This comes up where let's say you're teaching crescent lunge. And this used to happen a lot when I uh, taught at Baptiste, people were like super aggressive about wanting to take like every advanced variation. So when I would teach, you know, step the right foot forward to come into crescent lunge, people would inevitably put their left hand on the outside on the outside of their right foot. And they didn't have rotation. They wouldn't have a block. They couldn't get their hand flat. They were just on their fingertips, but it was just really hard. And so that scenario lacks foundation. So as they began to twist, they would inevitably fall. And this isn't just germane to that one studio, but I just saw this a lot because there was this kind of mode where people were just really wanting to push themselves there. And so a lot of students would always go for the harder opportunity in the posture. So keeping in mind this idea of creating foundation before you create rotation is up to you to be cueing your students to do. They're not going to do it unless you explain to them the reason why it's helpful to have that foundation first. The next one's sort of related, and I, I call it in the book, don't be a blockhead, use a block. Remember in Charlie Brown, when Lucy used to call Charlie, oh, you're such a blockhead, right? So I grew up loving um, loving Charlie Brown. We were big Peanuts fans in our house. And, you know, for a lot of students, they're not going to know how to use a block unless you tell them. And, you know, a lot of teachers will, will sort of think in their heads, oh, well, blocks are just a modification. I don't want to necessarily offer it in general. I want to offer it only if certain students need it. And I don't subscribe to this model, this way of thinking. I say, just integrate the use of the block with the um, pose that you're teaching. And for people who want to use it, they'll use it. You know, even your advanced students might not realize, oh, geez, I could use a block here. So just blend it in with the, um, with the cues that you're using for a particular pose. And what this is going to do is it's going to allow them, again, to create more uh, foundation. And so certainly if you have any of these twisting poses, so absolutely in your twisting triangle, use it. Also in postures like pyramid pose, where you're asking for a lot of lengthening in the hamstrings, put the blocks under the, uh, under the hands as they start to come into that forward fold. Now, the other, um, feature of using blocks is it's going to help your students 
create steadiness where there is little to none. And, you know, keep in mind, you know, a lot of times your students, when they come to your classes, they might be feeling overwhelmed. So this idea of using blocks as a way to create grounding also speaks to impart a little bit of the chakras, the energetic systems. So this can be also a fantastic way to speak to that aspect of your students from an energetic standpoint and kind of a holistic standpoint, like their whole beingness to help them maybe tap into feeling more steady. Uh, and then the last one is to provide support for the head to avoid hunching in forward folds. So I don't know if you, there was the thing on Facebook many years ago, this picture of someone looking down at their cell phone and it measured the further the chin dropped towards the sternum, towards the chest, the perceived weight of the head was actually more because the head at neutral when you're standing up straight in anatomical position is about 10 to 12 pounds. But as you drop your chin down to your sternum, down to your chest, the weight of the head increases because gravity is working now on the cervical spine. And so it's actually more work for the cervical spine to, um, hold the head up or to hold the head in position, I should say. And that's why looking down at the phone can be, you know, potentially problematic for the muscles of the, of the C-spine. I remember at one point there was some posts about, there were some posts about people like in the subway and they were holding their phone up to their face. And I knew when I rode the subway a lot here in Boston, I would on the way home from class, you know, I would just dive into my phone on the way home uh, on the subway. I would hold the phone up. So it was at my line of sight rather than looking down at the phone and people would kind of look at me weird, but it's just so much better for your neck to do that rather than to be looking down all the time. So in a postural position, you know, of course, when we do something like a forward fold, we're allowing the head to drop with the weight of gravity. So the head in that scenario is not resisting gravity. It's working with gravity and that's okay. Hanging down in a forward fold is the same as standing up straight. Your head is neutral your cervical spine is working with gravity. But if you then take a person in, let's say half pigeon, and this is where I would see it a lot, take a person in half pigeon and they aren't using a block under their head and they're in half pigeon, but their head is just hunched forward. They have that rounding in their cervical spine and you'll see it when you look at them. And so that's why it's really helpful to just integrate into your cueing for half pigeon, place a block under your head to support your cervical spine and just let them know we want to have that neutral spine. And remember, if you take your hand and you put it behind your neck, you can feel the inward curve, the lordotic curve of the C-spine. We're not looking for the C-spine to be straight. There is no straight in the spine. The spine is not a straight line, even though we use that artistic cue, but it is artistic. This is another reason why it is critical that you understand the fundamentals of anatomy, which I can teach you. Because if we use words like straight spine and we don't understand how the spine is structured from an anatomical standpoint, and we can't distinguish between the artistic languaging that yoga teachers use and the literal anatomy, that's where our confidence falls down a black hole because we don't know the why behind what we're saying. So in, in this example of half pigeon, we want to keep <clears throat> the natural lordotic curve of the C-spine. Just like in shoulder stand, we want to keep the natural curve in the C-spine. It is a shoulder stand, not a neck stand. 
And so even if we're using in shoulder stand a, um, a blanket, we want the blanket to end at the tops of the shoulders so the C-spine can have that natural curve, that lordotic curve. But we don't want to create a kyphotic curve, which is the hunchback curve, which is the rounded curve, the outward curve, not the inward one. And so if you see your students in half pigeon and their head's just hanging down, just encourage them to put a block under there. Now, are any of these things going to be injurious or detrimental? I am not saying these things to scare you. There is no such thing as a safe yoga class, which is another podcast episode I can do. But if you're triggered by that phrase and you think, oh my God, how could Karen say that? You need to send me a DM and we can have a one-off conversation about it. Because if we're out there, if you're out there teaching yoga and you're afraid your students are going to get hurt, and if this particular conversation leads you to believe that there's a good way and a bad way and a right way and a wrong way, and if students have a, a kyphotic curve in their C-spine, it's going to cause a cervical spine problem, that's a red flag that you don't understand anatomy. Like this is all the stuff that teachers buy into when they hear it in Facebook groups, when they hear people talking about it, when they worry that their students are going to get hurt. My friend, all that means is that you need to understand anatomy better. That's all that means. When we attach onto these like fear triggering statements, when we go to classes and teachers use words like protect and, oh, don't do this, you're gonna hurt yourself or we need to, all of that fear triggering verbiage is coming from people who don't understand anatomy. Because if you understood anatomy, you wouldn't need to lead with the fear you could lead with the function. You could lead with the facts. You could lead with the anatomy. And even in the facts of anatomy, what's really interesting in a paradoxical way is that the more you learn about anatomy, the more you realize that there really is no preventing injury in a yoga class. Like you don't know what you don't know about your students. So the best you can do and the, the thing to do to be in integrity is to do the work you need to do to understand the fundamentals of anatomy and to go in acknowledging that there's this huge variable that you don't know that you'll never know, which is the life history and the life story and the medical history of all the people in your classes, which is not your responsibility to know, not your responsibility to know, but your responsibility is to be watching your students, not to be practicing with them to be sharing clear cues, to have done the work that you need to do to understand anatomy. And the way you know if you understand it is, can you explain the reason for the cues you're sharing? Can you explain what bend the knee, open the hip means? Can you explain why you want people to use a block to support their head and half pigeon? Can you explain why you're saying tuck the tail? Can you explain why you're saying pull the belly button in? Can you explain why you're saying, well, roll the inner thighs back? These are, this is just a very basic way to check yourself. So, so those are the themes I wanted to share with you today. And, you know, like I said, they're themes from anatomy. They come from my book, Structuring Spirit. And you can get the link uh, for purchasing the book on my website, barebonesyoga.com on the books page. Um, the last thing I wanted to just jump in here and add, you know, I, in this empowerment club that I, I started at in the beginning of the year, I mentioned earlier in this episode that I have teachers fill out admission questions to get in. And one of the teachers filled out 
yesterday filled out her answers to the questions. And one of the things she said just really struck me. She said, I need to move from desperately trying to memorize sequences and cues to instead delivering a class based on ingrained knowledge and observing my students. And I, I just want you to hear her use of the word desperate. I am desperately trying. And I, I wanna just highlight that. Number one, I wanna honor her and I wanna acknowledge her for being brave and for being courageous and sharing with me exactly how she feels. Because when you take the step to be brave like this teacher and to share exactly how you feel, you will be in such a powerful position to finally get the help you need. It's when we convince ourselves that the problems we're having are all in our head or the problems we're having as a yoga teacher are just problems we're having that nobody else is having, that we just stay in the problem. I am not about having you stay in your problems. I am all about getting you results so that you can quickly and easily be the kind of teacher you want to be. So I wanted to bring this up from a mindset perspective because number one, the first step is to acknowledge how you feel. So if this resonates with you, if you are feeling like you're desperately trying, even if you feel like you're trying, trying is not an energy that we want. There's trying that, sorry, that's my dog. Coco, hang on one second. Coco. There's trying that comes from an energy of, hey, I'm really excited to try something different. Or, hey, I'm really excited about the possibility here. I'm going to try this new sequence. That is different from, I am trying to be a better teacher. I am trying desperately to remember my seat. Like that is the energy of pushing a boulder uphill. I don't ever want you to have that kind of energy when you're teaching. And there is no reason you need to have that energy. But it's the energy that oftentimes is out there. And in fact, when teachers tell me, oh, I just need to get more experience and I won't have to try so hard. Mm, no, <laughs> that's not true. You'll just keep trying and trying and trying and trying. The fix to trying is discovering a better way. The fix to trying is discovering a better way. And that is really hard to come up with on your own. Because when we get to the point that we're no longer trying in an energy of optimistic, anything is possible experimentation, we're more trying in that desperate mode. We've gone too long left to our own devices trying to figure something out. Oh, goodness. So sorry about that. I actually, this is the first time this has ever happened. I had to end the episode and now I'm recording a second piece because somebody came to my front door. So anyway, I wanted to just, let's just wrap up that, that one conversation that I was having with you about this idea of trying. So just know that if, if anything in the story of that teacher that I was sharing with you just now resonated, that you know, it's completely up to you to change that mindset. And all you need to do is take a first step. You know, if it's 
too scary to talk to me, or you don't want to talk to me, or you're afraid to talk to me. I don't, I don't know why that would be. Um, don't. <laughs> um, but if you are willing and open and interested and curious and want to change uh, that mindset, just send me a DM on Instagram. Tell me you heard this part of the episode and it, it, you know, brought up some thoughts for you and you'd love to just brainstorm with me on different ways to kind of work around uh, those feelings. So we have come to the end of the episode now. Uh, I'm so excited that I had this chance to share this with you. Uh, of course, as I mentioned before, you can buy the book that I was referring to on my website. And I'll leave you with this one question. And I've asked this question of teachers before, and I, I feel like this is a really good way to get right to the heart of the matter um, in terms of what might be holding you back. So I want you to just DM me with your answers to this question. And here's the question. If I could do more X or feel more Y, then I'd be a better teacher. If I could do more X, fill in the blank, or feel more Y, fill in the blank, then I'd be a better teacher. So go ahead and DM me your answers to that question, fill in those blanks, and I will give you a three-step plan to help you get there. So <laughs> we are at the end of this episode. I want to thank you so much for listening all the way to the end. I really um, appreciate and honor your time. And I hope that, you know, I come across in a very straightforward way. And it's because I am so passionate about helping you. And I am not interested at all in sugarcoating things. I am 100% interested and motivated to get you the results you want, to get you feeling the way you want. It is entirely up to you. And with my help, I can help you get there faster. It is entirely up to you. And with my help, I can help you get there faster. So I just wanted to add that in. I know sometimes in these episodes, I might come across like maybe a little like harshly or maybe a little like just straightforward. None of it is coming from a harsh place. It is 100% coming from a straightforward place because I so passionately believe in what I do and the approach that I have, and I know it works. And I so want to get you out there teaching in a way that you absolutely love teaching yoga. That is 100% what I want for you and what fuels everything I do and the way I do it and the way I sound when, when I'm here on this, on these episodes, that's always behind the passion. It's never frustration. It's never anger. It's never, you know, anything negative. It is 100% my commitment to being a voice out there for yoga teachers who want to find uh, the easiest and quickest way to find their confidence, to get the results they want so that they can help more people. Because if I can be part of the ripple effect to get you out there, then you can help more people and they can feel better in their life. And that has a ripple effect on the people they live with, the people they work with, the people in their communities. And I'm part of that ripple effect. So again, thank you so much for listening to this episode and I'll chat with you on the next one. Namaste. Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the episode. And as a special thanks, DM me the words podcast offer, 
And I'll share with you a special opportunity for yoga teachers who are ready to be confident and skilled and drop all that prep time, drop practicing with class, drop using the same cues over and over, and drop worrying what other people think. If this is you and you're ready to step into your most powerful, authentic way of teaching, DM me the words podcast offer on my Instagram, Bare Bones Yoga.